Today we talk about the pressures facing youth today and how to work through them with Mike Donahue here on the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. about what we are doing at Northern Lights Pulse, you can find us at www.nlpulse.com. There you will find YouTube videos, articles, blog posts, and podcasts about the issues that you are facing on a daily basis. You can also let us know the content that you want to see by going to the Your Input page of the website or by emailing us at info at nlpulse.com. You can find us on social media. We are at nlpulse on Facebook at NL underscore Pulse on Twitter and at Northern Lights Pulse on Instagram. Welcome to the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. We're here at Northern Lights. Our mission is to help teens and young adults better understand themselves, others, and the world in which they live. I'm your host, Peter. Today, I am uh, my co-host, Rachel, isn't here, but I am joined by special guest, Mike Donahue. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, so just a little bit of an intro for Mike. Um, He is the founder and director of Value Up, a Nebraska-based motivational company that focuses on positive school culture. He has spoken to over a million students throughout the last three decades in live settings. He has worked with young people all over the world, including the United States, Asia, South America, and Europe. Mike has authored four books, Reinventing My Normal, Hidden Scars, Back to Talking to Brick Walls, and Value Up. That is a very impressive resume. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about you before we get into our discussion today? I am a Boston Bruins fan, so I just <laughs> want to get that off the uh, get that out there. So I, I I grew up in South Boston, and I do follow all the Boston sports still. So I'm just being funny, but yeah. <laughs> out of all those places that you've been in the past, what what's your favorite one that you've been able to to work at to speak at? Or is that too hard of a question to ask? No, it's, actually, it's pretty easy. I Alaska. I, I go up to Kitchikan. They fly me into into Kitchikan, and then they fly me in little float planes into these little villages. And to be honest with you, it's tough because the kids are pretty broken. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of substance abuse and things like that in some of the places that we go to. And there's some, you know, um, systemic family dysfunction and things like that that, that you're but as far as the scenery goes it's beautiful and it's one of my favorite things to do i got to do it this year uh with my buddy steve we went in there and did a, a bunch of schools up in that area so it was great yeah wow. that's awesome that's alaska is on my list of places to go for sure i haven't been yet so but so today we are going to be talking uh, in general sort of about the pressures that are facing youth on a daily basis. And I just, I kind of wanted to start with a general sense of what you get from our youth today. What are sort of the pressures that you've noticed in your travels in in, in what you do? Well, so I, let me give you a little background on how I started this. I, sure. I So I was, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. I was, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. My dad left when I was five. My mom was overwhelmed by raising four kids on her own. And so it was pretty, pretty messed up. There's a lot of 
you know, tra traumatic experiences that, that we went through with alcohol abuse and, and that kind of thing. I actually myself dabbled around with, with marijuana use and some drug use and, and my drug use had to do with self-medication. I was, I was medicating um, the trauma that I went through and <clears throat> that kind of thing. So when I go in, so, uh, so that's, that, that's a baseline of kind of where I came from. And then I, I did graduate from high school. I was emancipated as a minor when I was a uh, junior in high school. So my junior year, my senior year, I lived on my own, but I did get my diploma, went into the United States Air Force, was stationed at Off Air Force Base in Nebraska. And that's how I ended up in the Midwest. And I haven't really left. I mean, I've moved around a little bit, but I've never, never moved back to Boston. Um, but I, I got here. I started going to a church and this isn't a church talk, but basically bottom line was the church really helped me. There was, you know, there's a spiritual component, which I'm not going to really go into because that's kind of private, but the social part of the, the church experience really helped me understand my value. Sure. So that changed everything for me when I, when I understood that I was valuable a lot of my a lot of my choices for my life changed mm -hmm. because I was making choices based on what I thought my value was, which I didn't think was very high. And so when I when I realized that I did have strong intrinsic value, I made choices based on that value. And so that's why we I call my program value up because that's really what we're trying to do. I mean, a lot of schools when they when they you know they'll have us come in, <clears throat> they they want us to address a certain behavior like if they're having problems with vaping if they're having problems with drug and alcohol abuse cutting um you know bullying that kind of thing they'll they'll say well let's get a speaker for that you know that issue but i don't really think that works um i don't think schools have bullying problems i don't think they have vaping problems or drug problems i mean all those things exist but if those things exist it's because there's a value problem right. there's there are kids that don't value themselves because they've gotten a message that they're not valuable and so what we, what our goal is, is, is really not to address the behavior, but to address the belief about themselves. Yeah. And so we, we really try to vector in on that. And that's what changed my life. I mean, I, when I, when I saw that, when I saw, when I had a kind of an epiphany of my value, it, it changed my behavior. Yeah. It just naturally did. So that's why we call the program value up. Wonderful. Yeah. To, to sort of piggyback off of that, we do some um, informal polling when we go speak at different schools about our programming, um, just to get a sense of what our teens and our young adults want more resources for, want more help for. And very consistently on, on, a, on almost every single uh, poll that we've taken, the top three issues that our teens want more information and more, more resources for are mental health, depression, and anxiety, dealing with stress and self-image. Then underneath that, all of the, the, the vaping and the bullying and the college prep and all that kind of stuff falls in, in different orders, but primarily it's, it's those three things. So it's, wow. yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it big and it goes back to what you were saying about um, addressing those underlying issues will help alleviate some of those behaviors that are coming on as a result of those. Right. We'll just take bullying for example. If if somebody's being bullied or diminished socially, that's really that's what a lot of what bullying is. It's it, you're being diminished socially either by a, an individual or a group of people. But but what if if those people met that what if, what if you had a strong self-worth i'm not saying that that those issues though that the 
the actual bullying or some of the things that they're saying aren't going to hurt, but they'll hurt less if I have a foundation of value, right? right? They hurt a lot more when you're really confused about what they're saying. I, I give an illustration when I'm speaking about, I have a kid stand up and call me a dirty, ugly, gross cat. And it's funny and, and kids laugh. And then I have a lot of the kids try to say it. And, and I, and I basically say to them, that's not going to have any effect on me because I don't believe that. I don't believe right. I'm a cat. I, I just know that I'm not, you know, so I'm, I'm good. But if you called me a loser, now that the burden of, of that information comes on me, if I believe I'm a loser and then your words come in and compound on top of that, then that's going to have an effect on me, but it won't if I know that I'm not a loser. Right. And so that's, that's why I'm trying to help kids understand that your value is, is intrinsic and it's, it's not dependent on, so on anything on the outside. Cause if it is, then you become a slave to that, whatever that is on the outside. If that's a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a group of people, a social status, you become a slave to that because you need that as your source. But if yeah. that's not your source and you know your value is inside and you were born with it, whether it's God-given or it was given to you by the universe, however you look at it, you were born with value. Yes. And it, when you when you tap into that, that's it makes all the difference. Yeah. So how do we, I, th and this might be a podcast all in itself or, or a series of them, but how do we address those limiting beliefs and sort of start the process of changing them so that way when things like that do happen we we're, we can bounce back from them quicker yeah it's really a, an intentional thought process right so you know the psychologists say we we talk to ourselves at the rate of 1100 to 1300 words a minute right mm -hmm. so a lot you can't you can't stop thoughts from coming in your head but what you can do is is filter them yeah right is to really be a, a steward or a manager of those thoughts which i th think a lot of high school students middle school students are not managers of their thoughts they don't know how to manage them they come in and they they let them live longer than they should inside their head for example if a kid fails a test and all of a sudden he says well i'm just a big loser i'll never amount to anything well you know, I understand that thought coming in, but that thought doesn't need to stay there. You fail the test. That's not the end of the world. That's that shouldn't be. But if you allow those thoughts to to fester and then to manifest to get bigger, then you know, then you, you got a problem on your hands. So it really, for, for me, it comes down to really being a manager of those thoughts. The, one of the illustrations that I use with young people, in, in and actually in some of the stuff that we've written, there's a a phenomenon called spatial disorientation when you're flying flying an airplane. I'm not a pilot, but uh, I've heard this from pilots that when you get in the clouds, you get spatial disorientation. Your inner ear gets messed up because you can't see the ground. So you have nothing to really um, orient with. And so you're really relying on your instruments. Well, what happens to young pilots is they get in the clouds and they they don't believe their instruments. They don't believe the truth. They believe their feelings because mm. all of a sudden they're like, they feel like they're like to the right or to the left or they, I, this one pilot told me, he goes, you'd be surprised how many pilots come out of clouds literally upside down because they, and but they think they're the right side up because they get spatial dis disorientation. I really believe that teenagers, if they do not manage their thoughts, that's exactly what happens to them is they don't believe their instruments. Their instrument is 
telling them the truth about themselves. They're 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 not losers. They're not bad people. They're not whatever that thought is, you know, predominant, that negative thought that is predominant. If you believe the thought and you believe the feelings that come with that thought, then you're going to make adjustments based on that feeling rather than grounding yourself with the truth. And everybody has their truth, right? So mine, mine comes out of a faith, but you know, it doesn't really have to, you, you can really just be a student of, you know, the truth about yourself and, you know, and, and what that means. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being that's going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad person or it doesn't mean my life is going to end in tragedy. You know, you, you have to keep telling yourself the truth and manage those thoughts so they don't manage you basically. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It's about feelings versus facts. And I, I think, one of the things that I've learned is what is the evidence for and against, you know, like if, if you have a limiting belief about yourself or, or you have some, something that you're thinking about, what is the, what are the facts for that? So like, if I think that if, if I'm having an issue with, with um, self-worth and I, I, I tell myself I'm not worthy, what evidence is there of that? Right. What evidence is there against that? The fact that I'm a human being means that I have worth. So there's right. your your evidence against. Your evidence for it, I mean, you would need to stretch pretty far to actually come up with evidence that would suggest that you have no worth. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, that, and then really just being vigilant about that evidence, right? Yeah. Almost being a lawyer in your own head. Exactly. Like, that's really what you have to do. Yeah. And kids, kids don't know how to do that. Most adults don't know how to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, that's still something that I struggle with on a daily yeah. basis too. So, yeah, yep. it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's being self-aware and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the, the, the big influencer nowadays, which is social media. Um, how does social media play a part in this whole game of value? Well, it's huge because, well, you know, I mean, it's just really huge. Yeah. It, it changed the game completely. Like I, I use this as an example. I go, like I went to a school, Lawrence Nelson high school last week in Nebraska, right? 10 years ago when I went into Lawrence Nelson high school to speak to that school, that I'm speaking to that school. And I'm speaking to that culture and and how they live and what's going on, you know, with with them and what their collective values are, you know, what the social construct is for Lawrence Nelson area, you know, area code, whatever that is, right? So now it's not that way. Now I'm talking to LA, I'm talking to New York, I'm talking to Australia, I'm talking to you know, new, you know, all over the country because that's who they're talking to. They they are talking to each other on TikTok and, you know, Instagram and different, they have friends. For an example, I, I had the kids raise their hand actually at that school and said, how many of you are, are talking to people, whether you're gaming or you're in chat rooms or, or somehow you're connected to them on TikTok from another state and they're all of their hands went up. And so now you're talking now. So now your worldviews are being shaped by everywhere. And so you, as a speaker, you have to know that because I'm not just speaking to this specific culture anymore. Now I'm talking to the world basically. And so that's, that's one aspect of it. There's the other aspect is now they don't get a break. So they're constantly, whereas like when I was growing up, 
if I made a social mistake in my high school or if I had a social win in my high school, right? Either one, maybe 20 kids are going to know about it, right? And they're, and I graduated with 500 kids in my class, in my wow. class. So that Lawrence Nelson had 29, I think. I'm going to say this, and I really believe this. They have a bigger social audience than I ever did. Because, again, I would have maybe, you know, 25 people know about my mistake or my or my victory, de- depending on, you know, rel- uh, you know, relatively speaking, wh- what that means and that social construct. And then nobody's going to know about it because they're not going to get in their dial phone and call that night and say, hey, the mic did this. You know, it just dies. It dies at 3.30. You go home. We play it. You know, we played street hockey for hours in front of my house and we would just decompress and forget about what happened at school. They don't have that luxury. First of all, their audience is way bigger because yeah. whoever they play in sports, they're connected to, and whoever they play in sports, they're connected to. And then it goes beyond that, they're who they're gaming with and who they meet. So there's thousands of people that could know about their mistake or victory. And so they live and die on that. They they live and die on that emotionally. Yeah. And and again, if your belief is that my value is what this mass of people think of me then I need to keep up with the Joneses. I've, I've got to keep up with what's going on there because if I don't, there's going to be a social price to pay. Right. And then there is, I'll give an example. There's a girl I met with one time at a school in Pennsylvania. And this school was a, a private school that the Roonies, the people that own the Steelers send their kids to this school. Right. So it's a pretty high end. Everybody's going to an Ivy league type school, you know, from there, there it's pretty well connected socially and all that kind of stuff so anyways i get there this girl says to me uh she's crying at the end of the assembly and she said all the kids in school are calling me a freak and i said okay how come and she and i'm looking at her and she looked pretty trendy and didn't have any real uh, you know anything that stood out that made me think you know she was different or whatever um looked you know pretty like i said trendy and and connected so I, i said well why and she said because i i stopped going to the cool kid parties and I said, how come? And she goes, because I know what happens to girls who go to parties with senior boys. So basically, this girl came up with this value that meant something to her. She she was going to stay away from the parties because she was making a, a good choice for her her life. On her parent level, adult any adult in her life, whether it's a teacher or a parent, grandparent, they're all going to applaud that choice. They're all going to go, that's a great choice. Good job. But she doesn't live in that world. She lives in her social world, right. which is now because of social media she's connected to it pretty much 24 7 unless she's sleeping right and so they made her pay a price they started posting stuff about her and saying things about her you're a freak you're weird why wouldn't you go to the parties you're just being stupid that affected her to the point where she was almost having an anxiety attack right in front of me because of what was going on and so the what i'm trying to say is the consequence for not at least pretending that you're keeping up with all that stuff is way harsher than it ever was before. And so even if a kid doesn't want to be part of that world, you're almost forced to be because of the consequences that are going to come your way. If you're not at least pretending. Right. Yeah. I was at a conference in Houston um, just last week and it was for mental health first aid. It was a mental health first aid training. But one of the things that we talked about was, how you only ever really see you only re- ever really see two things on social media. The first is you only see the good 10% of your life 
because people don't post the, the other bad stuff. They just, so there's this comparison as the thief of joy sort of situation going on, but then also you see a sort of the cyberbullying aspect of it too. So there's like two ends. Right. And you have to deal with both of those. And it leads me to the question, and this is kind of an activity that we talked about or we went through during this training is, is social media on its own in general negative positive or somewhere in the middle on this spectrum you know and you you asking me you asking me that i'd like to get your feedback on where you think social media lies on that spectrum because it's somewhere yeah well i i i would not be able to assign a um you know an actual um spot for it but i i think that there are good parts to social media Yes. Um, I use it for business. It's, it's yep. been very helpful to me to, you know, promote, well, even now you're going to put this on social media. And so, you know, we're going to get some truth out about kids. And so it's a, it's an awesome tool. It's an yep. amazing tool. If, if it's managed, right. Anything is, you know, is, can be a weapon or it can be a tool for good, depending on how you use it. Yep. And so I think really helping, you know, helping young people manage it and, and, and to regulate it in their own lives. It's almost like you handed them the keys to a car when they were eight years old and said, go. And right. there's no training. There's no, and you wouldn't do that. You know, you wouldn't do that to a kid with a Corvette. You know, it's, right. it's just too powerful. It's too much. Yeah. And that's essentially, I think that's what the internet is. It's, it's just too powerful. Parents need to really like help their kids navigate it. Yeah. And, and we have some stuff on our website that, uh, that helps them. I, I wrote a book called Talking to Brick Walls for parents, and the I think it's the ninth chapter is called Let's Talk TikTok. Let's Talk TikTok, and it's a breakdown of of social media. And there's a bunch of stuff in the back of the book that um, that talks about you know it has the um, kind of some you know some guidelines and some contracts you can make with your kid and some things that you need to be watching for helping your, helping your student, you know, navigate it a little bit closer. Yeah. And I I personally think putting on a device in their room is a big mistake. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just too powerful. It's too much to, is is too much to get lost in, you know? Yeah. And the, the, the one true, the one realism, the one sort of for sure is that it's not going anywhere. Right. So it's about addressing it, talking about it and, right. um, yeah. And there are management tools. I think what you're going to see probably the next five years is a lot more diligence, you know, in the education world to, to manage it and to, and I already see it happening. There, there's a lot of information We're we're coming up with stuff. We have a parent podcast, you know, that we talk about this stuff all the time. I had an expert on a couple of weeks ago. In fact, you, you should have him on. His name is Jay Martin. Uh, great dude, great guy and knows his stuff. He's really good. At, at what he does. And so he, he helps us with that and he's got a lot of good information and um, yeah, it's just managing it. It's managing, it's a tool and yeah. it's a, it's a loaded weapon. If you don't, if you don't treat it like that, you're going to end up, you know, you're going to end up in trouble. Yeah. So you can't just give it, you know, give the, like I said, give the keys to the car to a kid. You, you got to really give him some training. So Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I wrote down, so I wrote down some notes. <laughs> and one of the notes that I wrote down was COVID pivoting and new normal. 
And I think that there was a question in there. I, I, I think what I wanted to get out, uh, uh, maybe swing towards was um, what's changed in the last three years and how do kids adapt? If, if you have any information on that or just in general about what the effect of COVID was on our teens and our young adults. Oh, it, it definitely had an effect on them. We, we, what I hear from administrators and school counselors, they say to me that kids are two years behind emotionally. Mm-hmm. So a ninth grader is sort of like a seventh grader. They didn't, they didn't have the, the, emo, the emotional tension, you know, of being in school. So a lot of that stuff, you work stuff out, you learn, you grow, you, you mature because you're rubbing shoulders with people and you're having conflict and you're having to work that out. And, and when you have two years of, of not doing that, it, it stunts your growth yeah. emotionally. And so there's that piece of it. The, the silver lining, I think, was that kids, when they had their phones and they were relying on their phones, when it became the only thing that they had, I think they realized they needed that human touch. Yeah. I think that's the silver lining is they, they realize, wait, this isn't enough for me. I need to have a teacher that connects with me emotionally. I need to connect to some of my friends and and be able to look them in the eye and, and talk to them and cry with them and laugh with them. And, and not just on a computer screen or a phone screen, but like actually being in the room with them. And yeah. I, I've used that actually as a, as a catapult to, you know, promote that kind of stuff instead of slamming them for getting on their phones, really promoting the, the virtue of, of that personal connection of having that connection. So, you know, I don't, I think adults, sometimes we, we need jerk and we get, you know, we, we see that this thing is, is causing damage. So we jump on it and we go, see, it's, it's going to ruin your lives and blah, blah, blah. Instead <laughs> of just, you know, relax and talk about the virtues of a good connection emotionally and a good connection physically, you know, the, there's virtues in that and promote that instead of slamming the other, you can promote it without slamming the other. You can, you just, just promote it because it's, it is a good virtue. I have good friends that I'm, I, yeah, I'm glad I can call them and talk to them on the phone, but I love when I'm with them. Absolutely. I can hang out with them. So I I think in my experience, a lot more work and a lot more positivity, a lot more, a lot more things get done when you're working in person. Right. In my in my mind in, in in my experience and for the longest time growing up and, and even in my early adulthood and so on I used to think I was an introvert I, I get my I recharge by having time alone and COVID hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized that I was an extrovert and I get my energy from interacting with other people and I wow. you know so I learned a lot about myself through COVID as well. And I had to wait until I was 38 to learn that, but yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's good. I mean, that's a good, that's a good, that's a silver lining. That's something that you, that you got out of that. And that's great. I actually, me, I am an extrovert and it forced me to, to really kind of go in my own head a little bit and be comfortable in my own skin and not need people. And cause I'm good at get extracting energy from people because I've been doing it all my life. But when I didn't have that, I had, it was a, it was a really growth, big growth period for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized I, I'm okay by myself. I don't want to be, I like people, mm-hmm. but 
I have a good friend of mine though that he was like, I hope COVID happens again because I loved it. (laughs) 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 And I have a daughter who said to me one time she we were looking at we're at a zoo and we were looking at goats and she goes, Dad, if goats could talk, I would have no human friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So different strokes, I guess. Yeah. Um, so just uh, I have a couple more questions to get to, but um, sure. the first one is, so we've talked about these issues. We've talked about sort of the social media aspect and the COVID aspect. Where can kids go in your in your experiences and in, in, in your knowledge base? Where can they go to get the help that they need when they need it? Well, you know, it's different for every school in every situation, but I, I think that you have to really have to tap into the sources of strength that you have, yeah. because if, if you, if you're like in my situation, I didn't, my parents were very dysfunctional. You know, my dad was gone. So that wasn't an option. My mom really wasn't, she was just so overwhelmed with everything that there was no way to get anything from her, from my perspective. And so I had to build bridges to other people in my life. And so I had some teachers that were very good to me. I had some, uh, a coach, a wrestling coach that was great. I, and I found those people. I mean, I, I had to go look for them. And so I would tell students to do that, like to, you know, be honest with, with a teacher and say, look, I, I need some help and, or a counselor at school. I had some good counselors too. Um, and I think I think also the hopefully the stigma of mental health getting help for mental health is gone. Like, like there's a difference between mental illness and mental health, right? right? Somebody could somebody could have mental illness and that's acute. They they need specific intentional help for that. Maybe a psychiatrist and you know working with a therapist that kind of thing. But most people, it's just mental health. We're just trying to figure out. We're stressed. We have a lot of stuff going on. There might be fear going on because of the world situation. Having somebody to talk to about that almost like releases a valve. Yeah. So it's all this pressure that's being built. And so there's the, the confusion between mental health and mental illness has to get subsided a little bit too in people's heads. Like they have to realize, hey, it's okay for me to talk to somebody. Doesn't mean I'm, you know, that I'm ready for the mental hospital i just need to talk to somebody i just need to i i I, what i say to kids is like it's like a rope in your head that's all kind of mixed up and tied up and if you try to just pull on the ends and straighten it out you're just going to tighten it so sometimes it requires you have to pull you got to just take a little time and talk to somebody and and it's as simple as just kind of unraveling some of the thoughts and and things that you're thinking and having somebody speak truth back to you and then you're good. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not, it doesn't have to turn into a big deal, but you know, and if it is a big deal, then you need to go to somebody that, you know, has some more expertise in that area. But, um, but most of the time with kids, it's just really having a a trusted adult that can, they can connect with and just kind of bounce some things off of. And so I think, I think that's what I would, I would look around and go, what's, where can I go? You know, what, what teacher do I trust? You know, what what counselor can I go to? Do I need to go outside my school and and get a you know a therapist outside my school? I think for guys, you know, we need to take that stigma off. You know, we need to let guys deal. I always tell guys this that 
the difference between a boy and a man for me is not age. I've met 40 year old boys. I've met 15 year old men. And the, the difference is how well do you manage your emotions? Yeah. Right. The guy that beats his wife up because he doesn't want to deal with the fact that he was beat up as a kid by his dad, but now he's going to take it out on people he loves. That's a boy. Yeah. A man, a man deals with his emotions and deals with what's going on. And a woman, same thing, woman, girl, you know, maturity versus immaturity. Right. And that's really what it comes down to is how are you going to manage? Where are you going to go with those feelings? You yeah. know, if you stuff them and you use substance abuse to cover them or, you know, you use, you blow, you, you know, you stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, blow, you know, that all you do is perpetuate what you're going to have to do at some point anyways, which is look at it. You know, the illustration I use in schools, I talk about get a cut in your arm right now and it was nasty. It was infected and it needed medical attention. You could do that, right? Go to the hospital. But you guys know as well, I say this, you guys know as well as I do, if I, if I let them touch that, which I'm going to have to to make it better, it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. what, if I, what if I don't want it to hurt? What if I don't trust that those people know what they're talking about? I could just take Tylenol. And for six hours, I wouldn't even know I had a cut. That's called masking. People do that all the time. They cover up the real issue. The real issue is the cut. Tylenol does nothing for your cut. It just makes you not feel the cut, right? Yeah. Well, the drugs and stuff that I was doing growing up was basically just covering up. It did nothing for my cut. My dad never came back into my life, really. My mom you know, is still really not that well. So bottom line is that stuff, all that does is perpetuate or, or just covers up what you're going to have to do eventually is feel it. You can't, I always say this, you can't fix it unless you feel it. Yeah. And so if, if you're doing everything you can not to feel it, it's emotion is not satisfied till it's expressed. It's going to come back. Yeah. It's just going to. So you're, so you're better off finding somebody you can talk to and dealing with some of these emotions and, you know, you don't have to live there forever. You, you can, you know, a lot of times it's a couple sessions or maybe half a year or a year, you know, and you're good. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of really good stuff. I, that, that sounds like a good place for us to end for the day. Um, where can people find you and, and get more information about what you and what you do? Mike Donahue connects.com is our website and we have podcasts and blogs and um, student help. We also, we have a, a section on our website that's for students to go and we're constantly updating that and putting in more like we, one minute videos, kids like it in one minute narratives now. So we, we put together some stuff on how to, you know, we did a series on um, holiday, surviving the holiday when you come from a crazy family, uh, that kind of stuff. Some of it was funny too, yeah. but some of it was just, you know, real stuff like these kids, sometimes kids really, you know, you know, they, they dread the holidays because that means they got to be alone with crazy family members that they they don't trust because those people, you know, are pretty messed up still. And so, uh, yeah, so we gave them some survival tips for that. So anyways, on our website, we have we're, we're constantly updating it and putting new information out and new content so kids can survive. They also have on my website, they can download a free copy of my book, Value Up. So there's a book called Value Up that we don't sell to teenagers. We give it to them so they can download a PDF of it. And or I think it's a Kindle. I think it's PDF, actually, that they can download and uh, for free. And uh, then we, they, you know, they can kind of keep up with us on, um, you know, some of the videos we put out and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's Mike Donahue Connects dot com. Wonderful. Well, it's been great having you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate you inviting me. It was awesome. 
Yeah, it was great. With that, my name is Peter Dukes, and this has been the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>